0: My guest today is David Bessler, he's the founder and CEO of Veteran, veter, oh dear, there we go. <laughs> Veterinary Emergency Group. Now I get why you have the VEG <laughs> acronym. <laughs> so yeah, hi and thank you for joining us today, David.
1: Thanks Tatjana so much for having me.
0: So let's start with my classic first question. Give me a bit of a background, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and how did you get to do what you do today?
1: So the first thing to know is I'm an emergency veterinarian. Uh, I've always been an emergency veterinarian. It's, uh, let's see, going about 20 years now. And um, I was uh, always fulfilled by helping people and their pets when they need it most. That's, I say, the second greater definition of emergency veterinary medicine. And that's what I always did. And that's why I found a fulfilling career here. Uh, about almost 10 years ago, Uh, I struck out on my own and bought one small nights and weekends veterinary emergency clinic, which um, there were several of around the United States. They were usually founded by uh, the local veterinary community would get together and open a place so that they didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night to see their own emergencies. And so I I bought one of those and then uh, did things very, very differently because I'd always been an emergency vet and I'm a different kind of person. I thought outside the box and started doing things very, very differently from the way that emergency veterinary medicine had been done for the past 100 years. And that resonated with a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of employees. And the business, that one business was more successful. I opened up a second in uh, 2015, and uh, that one was reasonably successful. I met my business partner in 2016. We got a big investment in 2017, and so since July of 2017, we've gone from uh, two uh, uh, emergency hospitals to uh, today we have 64 in wow. uh, 21 states in the United States, 4,000 employees. And it's a very different thing than what I first started, but there are some, uh, I guess, core values and core principles that have stayed the same and have brought us a lot of success. Mm.
0: I immediately kind of what struck me is and you have that in your description I believe on on LinkedIn or the company description is uh, about helping people and their pets so like there's people there which is something I think a lot of a lot of people miss and it's funny because it uh, immediately reminded me because I'm a, like a I was going to say a dog person but equally a cat person I get a pet person <laughs> mm-hmm. but um having gone through um especially with dogs with uh, quite a few like dog trainers uh, it's oftentimes you hear from them saying you actually have to train the owner more than the dog yeah, very <laughs> and true. In, a, in a way that's reflected where you're helping actually the person and their pet uh, that's really yeah.
1: in our mission statement helping people and their pets when they need it most that's a very deliberate uh order people first because mm-hmm. uh, First of all, just from a business perspective, the pets don't decide where they're going to go. It's their people who decide where they're going (laughs) to go. And also, one thing that we say, and we can talk more about, I call them memes, but we say when one patient walks in, two patients walk in. In an emergency Mm. situation, the pet owner, um, the entire pet family, they're often having a crisis as well. They're very, very nervous. They're scared. They may be shocked by whatever it is that's going on, and they need specific treatment as well. Mm. And we have to be experts in treating people too, in that respect. So that's a very. Mm.
0: Absolutely, you should probably like launch into like people hospitals as well, because I have to say, as you're saying that, I have I have four kids, so I've been through a lot of uh, well, more hospital experiences with uh, kids than with my pets. And what you just said, when you walk into, especially in an emergency situation, you like you don't really know what's happening and what the outcomes can be, and, and so forth. Uh, you arrive at the hospital, and obviously, yes, the doctors are starting to, you know, put their attention on the patient, but the rest of the family, the people, like they are, you know, worried, and they need information, and they need some. Um, Treatment that usually, even like in some really advanced places, countries, clinics have been, is is not there at all. Not to even talk about the level of it.
1: Yes. We um one thing we do, a big differentiator uh for us uh is keeping people and their pets together. It's one thing that we do mm-hmm. very differently. We have seven spikes, which are uh our big differentiators when it comes to customer experience. And uh probably the one that we're most known for is uh this. Uh, open hospital concept, keeping people and their pets together, the norm, at least in the United States, and it's probably the most most of the world where uh, your pet is usually taken from you into the back. Mm. They do whatever it is that they need to do. Uh, that lack of transparency is a big problem in an emergency situation. I think it's a problem in general, but it certainly decreases trust or maybe increases mm. trust between the care providers and the uh, the pet family and so uh by keeping people and their pets together uh people are able to see everything that's going on and so they're um it's just it's a real situation emergency is emergency we have care providers who are legitimately and authentically trying to help and for pet owners to see that authenticity is very very helpful to understand that we're all on the same side trying to help your pet so that's just mm. that's one big differentiator uh and that's um for us you know something that we try to um uh, get across to people. I think if they haven't had an emergency and come to us, they may not understand how important that aspect is.
0: Mm. Let's talk about the name. You have a very descriptive, obvious name. You know, Veterinary Emergency Group. Has it always been that name? Like, how did that evolve? How How did it get chosen?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The first hospital that I bought was called the Veterinary Emergency Group, and okay. <laughs> the veterinarians in the area uh, who had built that hospital and the veterinarians in the area who used to send their cases there when they were closed at night, they would call it the veg. um, (laughs) Uh, That's just what they called it, the veg. And when we grew, I I didn't feel the need to change it. I felt that Veterinary Emergency Group was useful for people to see when they drove by. For example, Mm. a very uh, important thing for us is, uh, from a marketing standpoint, is for people to know about us before the need arises. It's Mm. much less risky uh, when um, people go where they know, instead of having to first start Googling or calling their vet or calling friends when they have an emergency, if they know about us before the need arises, that's very helpful, especially if they they know about us and know that they're going to have a great experience. Mm. They don't even bother worrying if there's a new place that has popped up. They know that they had a great Mm -hmm. experience last time. So the drive-by is important. People drive by, they see veterinary emergency group, and they say, oh, I know where I'm going to go if I have an emergency with my pet. Mm. So we we kept that, and it worked well for us. Um, it is a mouthful. And so uh, having the acronym VEG uh, is certainly helpful when people that are in the know, they've been to us before, they know that we refer, we refer to ourselves as veggies. We refer to our company, <laughs> VEG. Uh, and there's actually a nice, uh, a nice thing that happened when we... When, whenever we've thought about rebranding, we realized, you know, we're just, we're just veg. That's what we've always been called. It stands for something. It's not a made-up name for no reason. There's a bit of authenticity. Mm. One of our core values, we have four core values, and one of them is openness. And that relates to authenticity. And the idea that we haven't made up a name for marketing reasons or to make it sound catchy, um, mm. I think uh, lets people know right away when they say like, "Oh, veg," what does that mean? Oh, it's Veterinary Emergency Group. That makes a lot of sense. It's just straightforward. Um, mm. And we're also not afraid to be quirky if it's real. Um, we have when you walk into our hospitals, there are wires hanging from the ceiling. There are there's lab equipment that's fully visible, pharmacy that's fully visible. Patients, uh, we keep all of our families together. So that's something that people don't realize when you walk into our ER. Uh, All of the families are being treated there out in the open. So every family can Mm. see every other family's emergency. So that's part of the authenticity. It it is what it is. Um, We don't try to hide anything. And so if veg is a weird name like vegetable or um, (laughs) just fine, we have nothing to hide. It's really veterinary emergency group and there's nothing wrong with the word veg. And so and so we kept it and it's it's catchy for a weird quirky reason and that's fine
0: yeah no I love it I like the logo as well I keep looking at it behind you it's very cool
1: yeah the logo yeah, is a... um this is I I was an art student at one point in my life
0: okay um,
1: so I do have a graphic sensibility I would say um but I did the, I actually designed this logo so oh, the yeah concept of it myself we've had other People have tightened it up and and uh, and made it a little more professional. But the idea of, we call it the paw of life, which is really the paw print in middle of what's called the star of life, um, which is not a trademarkable thing, the star itself. Um, mm. The way I looked at it is, again, so I'm, I'm a big fan of simplicity. I think simplicity travels. Um, and uh, this is, I like to say, this is alien for veterinary emergency. I think if we put this on a rocket ship and sent it into space and <laughs> found it, they would understand like, oh, that's veterinary emergency.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I love that.
1: (laughs) That's where the logo came from.
0: Yeah, I love it. I I think I mentioned that recently in a podcast. I'm going to say it again because I really love it. I was reading a book and uh, the author is going to have to forgive me because I don't remember who it was, but it was something about um, design. It was about design, designing websites, optimizing websites, that sort of a thing. Um, It was a chapter Anyway, but they their definition there was like when you're designing a website, you have to think about like, is a drunk person in a hurry gonna get it? (laughs) I love that Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Like it has to, yeah. Hopefully, the people
1: driving by are not drunk, but if certainly, if they're hopefully, yeah, (laughs) they will uh, be able to understand what it is that we do just from the look.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they're gonna get it. Yeah. Uh, what about the domain name? I saw you have veg.net. You have the fully written out veterinaryemergencygroup.com, and you also have veg.com. Like, what's yeah. your strategy there? What was the thinking behind it? Uh,
1: I think really the idea is uh, whoever might know us by name can easily find us online. Uh, I most people come to our website through a search. Um, I guess I could check. I also have to remind people I'm a veterinarian. I'm not a marketing professional. We have <laughs> an amazing chief marketing officer named Leslie Semigren. She's, uh, uh amazes me every day with her expertise and her creativity. Um, but I, the idea is, is simple. Even if you don't search for anything, if you remember VEG or Veterinary Emergency Group, you'll be able to find our website uh, like that um we originally had veg.vet uh v-e-t victor edward thomas um (laughs) but uh that was confusing a lot of people uh automatically that's the problem i think with alternative what are they uh, are they called uh extensions uh, extensions um is people you know will go to the famous.com and if you don't own that it's a problem uh and so we bought veg.com uh we own that now i give out as my email address when i run into people I tell them it's super easy. I'm David. This is Veg. It's David at Veg.com. And uh that makes it <laughs> makes it a lot easier. Veterinary is a lot to type out, but um, <laughs> yeah. if for some reason you don't remember Veg, uh you can certainly remember veterinary emergency group.
0: Mm. I yeah, and I completely agree with you. Uh, and I encourage anyone doing that, and not for other reason, but ultimately, and that's the advice I often give. It's not even about what you think, because I talk to a lot of people and they go, yeah, but I'm okay typing my name. It's like, yes, but what about your audits? You know, <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> ultimately, it's all about simplifying your customer's life and what you just said, you know, if, if they're going to type that and that's what they end up typing and that's what's easy for them, you know you have that if they don't remember that or for whatever reason they remember the long version you have that as well so it's all about making life easier for your customers
1: absolutely especially when you
0: have an emergency service yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I'm a big fan of uh service design uh that's what I read a lot about and when I think about uh, an, an experience design I think about our customers experience uh it starts off in a panic and mm. the last thing that they want to do is try to remember a complicated domain name if that's the way that they're choosing to uh, access that. So.
0: Absolutely. You did mention at the beginning of our conversation your team as well. And it does seem like that's something that's very um, important to you. And I, I can see that throughout your uh, website and social media. Tell me a little bit more about that Team culture and, and yeah, how but, how did you get to run I'm into that? Glad
1: way? you asked. So we spend a lot of time thinking about um what we call the veg experience. And uh you'll see that people who focus on customer experience often learn their lesson the hard way and realize that they need mm. to also focus on employee experience. Uh there's a great book called The Experience Mindset. Uh, the author's last name, I believe, is B O V A, I think. Um, and the whole point of this book is that you cannot consider customer experience in a vacuum. You always have mm. to create customer experience in tandem with employee experience. The equation we use is VX, which is veg experience, equals CX times EX. And um, for example, when we want to improve our customer experience, one one of our spikes is uh, see a doctor right away. Uh, when you walk into a veg, you will be seen by a doctor in under 60 seconds. That's our goal. And to make that happen, the way we first approached it is telling our doctors, just get up out of your seat and go and run over and see people in <laughs> 60 seconds, uh, which sounds great, uh, easier said than done. And what we realized is we can significantly uh, decrease our employee experience by just trying to improve our customer experience in a vacuum. And what we realized is we need to actually leverage technology, processes, people, culture, in order to make it easier and more rewarding for our employees to actually deliver that customer experience. Mm. That's the the later learning. So we talk a lot about uh we used to say veggie experience but it's our veg experience and we talk about customer experience and employee experience uh, mm. a lot of a lot of work on that more much more recently
0: that's wonderful and i i think it's getting um increasingly and actually when you're in a like you know an online business you know you do advertise and keep in touch with your clients i'm sure and manage a lot of things online but people ultimately walk into your clinics so that's even more relying therefore on on that human interaction and absolutely I, I don't think even online businesses are struggling to uh sort of hide but like if there's some mismatch between what you say your company stands for and how your employees communicate that or even live that nowadays there's there's just a huge problem with that and i i have a potentially silly, I don't know if it's a silly example, but I remember um, I had a membership for a gym and there was one employee who would like, you know, twice, three times an hour, go out and smoke and throw cigarette butts on the floor. And it's just ruined my whole experience with the whole brand of, it's it's like, yeah, I know that's one individual, but you don't know who's working for you. You don't, you know, it's, it's your job to, choose and manage those people
1: uh, i love one of the your that that bamzi polimetla who was one of your previous guests uh had a great line which i'm totally stealing uh <laughs> it's along the lines of you have to walk the talk he said your video has to match your audio and <laughs> um i think that's really true it becomes very very difficult when you have a lot of employees in multiple units uh around the country uh you're trying to <clears throat> um trying to make sure that the the uh, what people experience is what they're expecting and what they're expecting is what you put out there and market. Uh, and that's, that's really your, your brand, especially if we're relying on people mm. to tell their friends and to come back themselves when they have another emergency, Absolutely. you know, you, uh, you, you, you talked about culture, you asked about culture before, and I, I kind of stopped short when I said we we were, we think a lot about our employee experience. A big part of our employee experience is our culture. We have one big differentiator for us in the industry where there really is a shortage of veterinarians and veterinary nurses. Um, We uh, do, I think we find a lot of success in recruiting and retaining those veterinarians and veterinary veterinary nurses because of our culture. We have a very clearly Mm. defined culture, which is actually an interesting uh, study in internal branding and marketing. We have um, a a book, it's like our Bible, it's called The Manifesto. It's like 300 pages long. It's not an employee. This is a this is a guide on how to be a veggie, how to interact with one another. We have uh like I alluded to to before memes which are um uh memorable sayings, they often go along with some sort of graphic uh about to help people uh think about how to interact with one another. We have one called um the banana analogy which is uh <laughs> The analogy of bananas, where uh, how do you interact with people who uh, you think they're perfect when you first start working together, after about three months or so, you discover their blemishes. You peel the banana, <laughs> the perfect banana, and underneath you discover there's a blemish. So what do you do? Do you you know, throw out the entire banana because of the blemish? That's what my kids do.
0: <laughs> um, do
1: you cut out the the blemish and eat the rest of the banana? You realize the rest of the banana is fine. Or can you get to the level where you actually eat the banana with the blemish, realizing sometimes the blemish is the sweetest part? Mm. And so we wrap <laughs> that idea into a meme called the Bananalogy. Uh, and that's helpful for our people to learn how to interact with one another in stressful situations situations where your blemishes pop out. This person mm. laughs too loud. That person has an anger management issue. Maybe this person dresses weird, but you still uh, find a way to get along with one another. That's mm. our culture is is made of made of that. We we treat each other uh, well, which makes it a more enjoyable place to work, and also spills over into the way we interact with our customers and patients.
0: Mm. Absolutely, yeah, I'm sure that's felt throughout like the whole line of communications. I was gonna ask you, and we sort of, I think, as we're talking, you're partly answering that, but. Um, most of the people I talk to, they have online businesses. So like scalability is a whole different game. And you, I was actually surprised when I looked into it, like the number of clinics you mentioned, you have the number of employees, you know, you've got investment. Like how do you do that with something that is very on the spot, physical day in, day out. And like you mentioned, like you have to manage those people, you know, close, keep them, into that culture and how how do you do that?
1: Yeah, it's been a fascinating journey of discovery as a veterinarian. If you think about the difference between, let's say software, especially software as a service, Mm. uh, it is infinitely scalable. You produce one version of it on a server somewhere and then the whole world can access it. Your product Mm. is manufactured one time in one place uh, Mm. and experienced by a limitless number of people. Uh, that is amazing and I'm incredibly jealous. Then there are product companies where the product is manufactured multiple times, but in one place or a few places, you have mm. a tremendous amount of control over the production and manufacture of your product. And um, then what you have to you know imagine let's say, let's say Apple and iPhones. Uh, you know they I guess you just have to make sure that your factories are doing a good job of manufacturing a, you know a good quality product. Maybe you have to worry about shipping, um, you know, to the stores. And then Steve Jobs was very worried, concerned about the experience from the time that you purchase this. And so you have stores um, where you're now buying, but the, the product is really the source of much of the experience. Mm.
0: So
1: for I'm jealous of that as well. I would love to <laughs> just kind of focus on one factory and have the majority of my experience determined by the success of, you know, the manufacturer at that one factory. You go to services... It's very different. The service is our product. The service that we deliver to our customers, uh, helping their pets and helping them when they need it most in an emergency, that is our product. That mm-hmm. is manufactured per order. Uh, every single time we have our one of our 4,000 employees interacts with a family, a pet family, um, or a, a patient, um, they are manufacturing our product. And mm-hmm. the next time somebody walks in, they're manufacturing it again, and you're relying on 4,000 individual um, manufacturers. Uh, that mm-hmm. is, that is daunting. And so the way that you do that is you can't do that through extreme control. You can do that in a mm-hmm. factory um, by carefully, you know, producing your your robots that manufacture things. As a service, you can't. The only way to succeed there is by um, understanding who you're trying to hire. So hire the right people um, and point them in the right direction. Give them a great set of values and principles. Um, motivate them through fulfilling work and through natural reward, and then set them free to, to do those things on their own. And that's kind of the best that you can hope for. Hospitality, mm. restaurants um, all have the same problem. Um, mm. It's it's difficult, but that's that's where we are.
0: I think that's where... Actually, a brand plays a huge role and a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, I feel underestimated when they feel like brand is all customer facing. It's all like trying to create that image and maintain that image and feed that image to the customer. And especially, as you said, like in the service uh, in in the service businesses, I feel brand is equally, if not even more important to your employees because, like, how else can you have that consistent image and that consistent feeling of that's what we are? That they they just get it and they roll with it. And you, as you said, you don't have to be there and tell them, oh, in that situation, you better do this.
1: Yeah, and you think it's funny. Uh, you think that's important for uh, attracting talent for recruiting. Uh, Um, it's, it's very, very important for retention and for engagement, uh, the employees have to have faith in us that we are trying, they have to understand what it is we're trying to do. So we make our mission very, very clear. We're trying to help people and their pets when they need it most. Um, and then they have to have faith that from there on, we're just trying to help them do the best at that, not make them Mm. do it, try to do the, like help them do the best at that because that's their reward. People who go into, you know, if they become veterinarians or veterinary nurses, they're doing that because they know that helping people and their pets when they need it most is very rewarding. It's Mm. our job to get all of the pains out of the way. And if there are any gains associated with that to amplify those and to help them get the job done that they're trying to do, that's the biggest reward. So they have to have faith that that's the relationship here. The relationship is we're gonna try to help you do your job as best as you can. Because that's the biggest reward
0: mm, absolutely what are your thoughts on how has technology and most like specifically now because like everyone needs to gpt literally just before uh, our call we went to the shop i left my computer for 10 minutes and one of the kids is has been at home she didn't go to school she was sick so anyway, she got onto ChatGPT, and I come back, and there's that image of a unicorn running away, panicking from a tsunami. I was like, "That's my new spirit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's just like the level to which, and I haven't, like, you know, I, I, I wasn't involved there at all. Like, she figured it out on herself. What's ChatGPT? How to do it? What, whatever. So, uh, yeah, how has that, if at all, affected your line of work? Where where do you see technology taking you?
1: Yeah, so I think I'll treat technology and AI separately. Technology okay. is easier to say because um, we like we have this sort of way of thinking about people's roles in three things, just because it's three, three it's, it's an easy number. So we say our doctors really should be focused on three things, which is talking to customers, making decisions, and doing procedures. And the reason they're focused on those three things is because that's what their customers and patients need from them and want from them. And so if they're doing anything outside of that, it's an inefficiency and not a great use of time. Our doctors are paid a lot of money. Most of that money comes from the customers. Uh, and um, that's just an inefficiency if they're spending their time on anything else. For example, writing records is a is a classic one. Mm. Our, our customers really do not care about our doctors writing records. Um, our patients. Yes, it's important. A good medical record system is, in some way, important for medical care in an emergency situation and for continuity mm. care. Once we set things afterwards, honestly, the the the, the meat is uh, mostly comes from our doctors diagnosing, coming up with treatment plans, our nurses executing those treatment plans, and providing great uh, compassionate care, hands on uh, for for our patients. The record writing thing is. Uh, a big source of inefficiency. It's necessary, but it's a big source of inefficiency. And so leveraging technology to make record keeping easier, mm. it's uh, a huge place, a, a place where uh, it's worth every penny we put into it because it pays off in dividends um, for the rest of time. So that's that's one big thing. Uh, if you think about uh, things that patients are doing, one thing we've, we've kind of done away with when you see a doctor right away, uh, when you walk into any sort of medical facility, um, I I don't really care where you are around the world. It's the same. The first thing you do is fill out a clipboard. Um, You fill out some people. And I was surprised when I went to some higher end urgent cares that are technologically uh, enabled, they have an app. Uh, And I went there for the second time. The check-in process was not dramatically easier or more efficient than the first time. I still had to step up to a kiosk. I had to scan my license. I don't know whether they lost it or didn't have whatever. I had to scan my insurance card again by um, mm. uh, taking pictures of my face. It was, and this is my second time there. Why didn't they capture that and have it my first time?
0: Mm.
1: Uh, and so I, I, I think uh, for us, you know, we leverage technology with a, a client self check in process. When you're, if there's two people in the car on your way in, one person can be filling in details so mm. that that there, that's helpful. <laughs> uh, but to the, a large degree, a big part of technology is actually eliminating things that are unnecessary. Um, we mm-hmm. found ourselves collecting information that we really didn't need. Um, and we also wanted to get people help um, before they filled out a clipboard. So when they walk in, they were seen by a doctor and a nurse right away before they started filling out a clipboard, making promise mm-hmm. pay us. Um, you know, before we actually did anything, we found that that wasn't a good relationship builder and that wasn't really necessary. Um, so I guess a combination of uh, technology, but also thinking deeply about processes and using technology to help us um uh, uh, make processes more efficient that's a, a, a big part of of what we do and how we become better the second part is artificial intelligence um I think um I have conversations with chat GPT all the time uh and you know I, I love the new feature with the new the new uh voice to text and text to voice feature um on my walks in the morning I just have conversations with her it's a <laughs> um but I will often for example one of the most recent things, I did was uh, in our management structure, um, we're big believers in decentralization. It's kind of what I explained before is give people (laughs) direction, principles, and then set them free. Mm. Um, And so for our leadership structure, we like to decentralize where hopefully decisions can be made closest to the product, which is the experience and the service we provide. And so we like to decentralize to our local leaders. And so in order to promote decentralization here at our headquarters, I have to remind people all the time. And so I like to say the official pastry of veg is the donut because <laughs> it's decentralized. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I I kind of mentioned that uh, joke uh, to a bunch of different people. Some people got it, some people didn't. And my question was, um, can I spread this more widely? Uh, will people get it? So I asked ChatGPT uh, if she thought people would get it. Uh, she did. She thought people would get it. Maybe it would require some explanation here or there. Maybe we kind of put it into our manifesto so people get it better. Um, but uh, using ChatGPT as a as a creative tool, most people use it as a mm. search, which is unfortunate. Um, uh, its best uses as a creative tool uh, mm. uh, and a tool of understanding to help you understand. Uh, that's been very helpful for me in my leadership of, you know, Mm. my job is to clarify and to simplify to, um, uh, you know, for our people. And ChatGPT helps me do that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I do. And I I feel a lot of people jumped on it as a, in a way to replace some things that they were doing badly to begin with. (laughs) And, (laughs) And that just doesn't work. Yeah, like yeah. I said, I love the way that you can get a lot of ideas and suggestions or like, but you you start with something that you already have some clarity on, yeah. already something, have some idea of.
1: I heard an interview, I'm going to say it was Steven Spielberg, and I thought it was brilliant. They asked him about uh, AI and creativity, and his answer was brilliant. He said, creativity is one of the best things about being human why on earth would we delegate creativity to a robot it's like uh asking a robot to go on vacation for you you know (laughs) like it's the most enjoyable thing is being creative why would i ask a robot to do that for Mm. me um i i I love that idea i certainly love being creative um so Mm. i guess i asked ChatGPT to maybe help me when i'm stuck but i wouldn't i wouldn't delegate an outsource creativity Mm. to
0: absolutely yeah definitely agree with that one one question before the last because and that's like a very selfish question because one of my kids like she's 12 and she wants to become a veterinarian so i have to ask you like what are your thoughts like where do you see the future of veterinarians like the profession some trends like some ideas like what what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah so uh, maybe that's a selfish question. I'll give you a biased, selfish answer. <laughs> um, I also have I have a 12-year-old son. Um, I don't know if he it depends on the week whether he wants to become a veteran. <laughs> it depends on how exhausted I look when I come home. Um, uh, I really think that the industry is evolving a lot. Our relationship with pets, pet ownership is only increasing, but our relationship with pets is changing. Um, mm. and only becoming more and more deep. More people have their pets sleep in bed with them than ever before. People <laughs> now their pets more part of their family than ever before. Um, I go on flights. Uh, I fly a lot. And there are more and more pets on planes than ever before. So I think it's changing. And as a result, the the industry's response to this change is, is evolving quickly. So I think, I guess I'll quote, uh, Jeff Bezos, who said uh, one of the most common, I'm paraphrasing, one of the most common questions I get is what's gonna change in the next 10 years? What people don't ask often is what's not going to change in the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. And he thinks that's the more important question because you can build a, an, an enduring business around that when you know what's not going mm-hmm. to change. And so I think uh, in the veterinary world, thinking deep about what's not going to change or as we discovered during COVID, what is essential mm. in veterinary medicine? Uh, and i am we're lucky in that we found ourselves in the middle of an essential sector of veterinary medicine, which is emergency. Mm. Uh, I think people will always have pets and their pets will always get into shenanigans. And when they yep. do, <laughs> they will want an experience that is full of helpfulness, uh, transparency, openness, um and that's why I think if I had to steer anybody into something in veterinary medicine into a career in veterinary medicine selfishly maybe i <laughs> in emergency because I think it's essential and I also think it's exciting
0: mm. and I would imagine it's very rewarding as well uh, I, I mean just from my experience with my pets uh, it's yeah I, I think just like seeing people Obviously, I'm sure there, there are tragic cases as well, but in the majority of cases, when, when you like bring the good news, that, that must be really rewarding.
1: I think if you asked your daughter, uh, walked her through a, a vision experiment, how she pictures herself practicing as a veterinarian in the future, probably she would describe to you an emergency experience. A dog mm, something he shouldn't have and had an emergency, maybe was hit by a car and she saved its life. Um, mm. When I talk to kids and I often do, um, that's what they have have in mind
0: yeah absolutely. oh dear. that that reminds me of a, oh my god, she was she was I hope she she's somewhere like in her room, I hope she's not gonna hear me, but that was like a really and could be related as well traumatic experience. No, she was saying before that she must be a vet, but she's so a, a dying bird and she was like in pieces for weeks. Yeah. she was like it was looking at me and I couldn't do anything. and I was like, yep yeah, that 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 thing of like I couldn't do anything. it's it's really powerful when you actually can.
1: It is. And that's why um, I tell people we have an amazing company that people like working for. Uh, I think our value proposition to veterinary professionals uh, is extremely strong. People ask us often, it seems, they say, it seems too good to be true. What's the catch? <laughs> and we tell them the catch is actually really obvious when you think about it. It's right in front of you, which is emergency medicine is very hard.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, I can make a I can deal with a lot of the pain points and I can amplify the gains. Um, but the the thing that I cannot take away is that uh saving the lives of uh pets when they're having an emergency is just very, very hard. The medicine is hard, the people are hard, the diseases are hard, uh, all that is very, very difficult. And uh, you know, you can't save them all, and that is that is hard to deal with. Um but I think at the same time, that's what makes it so rewarding. If you can get better at it, mm. know that that uh, you're fantastic as a lifesaver, um, that's really fulfilling and rewarding.
0: Wonderful. Well, last question, what are you looking forward to in 2024 now that we are almost finished with 2023?
1: Yeah, we are at a place now where I think we figured out a lot of things. We figured out how to deliver a really, really good experience for pet owners a healing experience for pets and a great work experience for our employees. What I'm looking for now is bringing that same experience to many more places around the United States and maybe even starting outside of the United States. Mm. Uh, me, every time we walk around in the airport, we wear our swag everywhere. That's a big part <laughs> of our culture is our swag. It's kind of cool to be wearing a veterinary emergency shirt. And uh, as more and more people discover our experience, and uh, and love it. Uh, walking through the airport and having people come over to you to say like, "Oh, you work at Veg, you saved my dog's life."
0: Um, oh, I know that's, that's so really cool. really
1: rewarding. <laughs> I have to say though, uh, it really raises the stakes. Uh, I wear my mm-hmm. swag everywhere. Everybody knows that about me. And um, if I'm the CEO of the company, um, I take a big risk walking around the airport. If people don't like our company, they're going to tell me about it. And <laughs> so, um, That's one way that my video matches my audio is uh, (laughs) I'm walking around in the airport wearing my veg uh, uh, shirt, encouraging people to come over and tell me about the experience. So it better have been a good one.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. That's been absolutely great. Uh, We're going to include all the ways people can reach out to you in the comments to the podcast. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Tatiana.